0: Minutes early, um, just to let people join and see that we're now online. Um, So I'll just leave it a couple of minutes. Um, I will just say that if you want to ask any questions during um, this session, if you can ask them via my YouTube channel, which is at Arden Jones author, or on Facebook, which is Arden Jones children's author. Um, Unfortunately, this streaming service I use doesn't will not show me questions that are asked on Twitter or on Instagram although I'm not currently live on Instagram um, I will be uploading that later <clears throat> so yeah I'm just gonna wait until eight o'clock before we start um, and I just hope everyone's having a lovely day I have had a really great day today just reading everyone's pictures on right Mentor pitch hero it has been amazing um, Oh, there are so many wonderful pitches, and so many hearts and so many agent comments on people's pitches. It's amazing. Um, so if you are one of those that are getting hearts and comments, then massive well done. And if you're not, you there's still time, it's still going on tomorrow. So I'm still there here I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you. Um, and it's just it it's such a wonderful experience. I feel like this pitch hero this time it's just we've on actually on like the right mental hub is just so it's it's brilliant everyone's loving it and everyone's enjoying themselves everyone's so supportive um so yeah so that's what I've been I've been keeping an eye on that today um a lot of people that I know uh, are on there with their pitches and they're so good how agents choose is beyond me. How do they read them and go, oh, God, I just want that one over, that one, like, oh, I don't, like, when, I'm thinking when, like, they've got the submissions in their, in their emails, like, they just, and they might fall in love with a you, um, but they can't take everyone. It's hard, because, like, I'm, like, reading these pictures going, oh, I'd love that. I would love that. I would love that. Um, but, obviously, you can't have everything. Um, so, I've just seen that it's eight o'clock. Um, and we are going to just kick off Kidlit Live from today. So this is the first episode. Um, I am not very experienced in hosting anything. Um, if I have people over, I'm a rubbish host, to be fair. I'm not great. I'm not the most socially comfortable person. Um, so, yeah, just but I'm pushing my boundaries and I'm putting myself out there. And I want to do this because I want to be able to help other people on their querying journey, other writers that are maybe not quite ready for querying yet, um, people that have got an agent that are out on submission, people that are published, but it's there's it's just constant. There isn't. I don't think there's a time where you can just like fully relax and go, oh, this is easy. Like it's not. It's um, it's it's there's a lot there's a, there's a lot more to it than I think what we all know, and every, everyone's learning. I'm still learning. I'm probably waffling here, so. Anyway, so I thought today, as it's the first one, and mainly that, you know, it's a bit of a test run, I've not done anything like this before, Um, and before I start interviewing some wonderful people that I've got lined up, I would just have a chat about my writing journey and how I found my agent, um, and then answer some questions that I've had coming in, Um, and if anyone has any questions, like I said, if you can just ask via my youtube channel or if you just want to say hi um if you can do that via youtube or facebook because um as i said earlier this service that i use only shows me comments via them so via those social media so it's yeah it's a bit of a pain um and hopefully i'll be able to find another streaming service soon so Um, So I thought I'd just talk a little bit about my writing journey. So I've always written, I've always written extremely heartfelt bad poetry, probably is what you'd call it, Um, from a young age. It was my way of just having an outlet, Um, whether or not I was having a thought the other day um, about whether or not you're born with creativity whether or not you learn to be creative. I suppose it, could, I think, you know, obviously it's probably different for everybody, but for me, I, I think I was maybe like, bought, like, I was born with it, like I had a difficult childhood so and I just naturally just turned to writing to have an outlet um, and I, I didn't do any like courses or I wasn't up, told to do this, it was just something that I naturally did. So I feel like it's in me and it was just mainly, like I said, about poetry and and I did write some stories um, as I was growing up. Some i say some of them was all right. Actually, my English teacher just wrote "No Worries" on one of their stories once, and I thought that was amazing. I was like, "Brilliant!" Like he's not put any red lines through everything, and it's like great. And then, uh, like as I got older, I thought, "Oh, like I need some some constructive criticism of that." That's I can't just go, "Oh, that's brilliant story," and I think I know everything about writing because I didn't. Obviously, I was like probably thirteen um so yeah it would have been nice to have some feedback um we'll probably talk about feedback a bit later but yeah it's, it's something that I've always loved doing it's something that I've always felt I needed to do um and even like at age four my sister come home from school and was asked to write a poem about the weather and I just shouted the wind is strong the wind is fast it blows you over on your ass And I'm like, I was four, and then I went upstairs and my ass all over my wardrobe, which is very, very naughty. (laughs) Like, yeah, that, yeah, I was in trouble, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I think like that just come naturally. Whether I'm like, did I make that up? I still question that myself now. Did I make that up, or had I heard it somewhere? But I've looked it up. I can't find it anywhere. And my mum at the time, my mum, my mum didn't know where I'd heard that. So. I'm like, I made that up. And the meter was pretty good, so it's all good. Um, so yeah, so I've always just had like some kind of creative flair and not just with writing, like you can see behind me there's lots of fabric, so I sew. Um I don't unfortunately I'm really bad at art, so I can't do anything with a pen or a pencil or paint or anything like that. Um, but I love writing and I love making things. So and then like as I got older, I just started writing, like I said, some really bad poetry, which was generally about heartbreak and um, some troubles I had at home and then I, when i as a, as an adult, I kind of like didn't write as much, and then I found I, I'd always just write like little odd bits of poetry here and there, but I kind of just like stopped writing stories and stuff like that. but then when I had willow, so like I was in my um, sorry it's just saying one of my streams has a connection issue so I'm not sure which one that is I'm really sorry if that's cut off um, yeah so then when I had Willow and I was like 30 38 39 um, I rediscovered my love for children's literature um, I hadn't read like children's literature since I was a child um, and I did read it to Haley growing up but I didn't feel like I was able to Right at that point in my life, um, and then I started reading more, and then I discovered a book called *The Girl and the Dinosaur*, which is written by Holly Hughes and illustrated by Sarah Messini And I saw it on a supermarket shelf, and the the illustration on that front cover the the dinosaur with the girl on in front of the big moon just it just called out to me, so I bought that and fell in love with it. Like absolutely fell in love with it. It's a beautiful story. Um, if you haven't read it, I I definitely recommend reading it um so yeah I read I read that and I was like oh wow I'd love to be able to write something like that and just didn't think that I could um you yeah, a working class background not a great start in life not you know I just had I didn't think this was something that was accessible to me I thought you had to have like a master's in creative writing um and have, have a, like a middle class background I just just didn't think that someone like me could do that um and then I just, like I looked up other books by Holly Hughes and I read her books and like I was on her website and I saw that she was like another working class author from Essex so like, literally she's like 15-20 minutes down the road from me um which was just unbelievable and I, it just was like I just felt like wow I can Maybe I can, maybe I am capable of doing something like that, so i I started writing um It wasn't great, <laughs> obviously, like I think a lot of people start we have these ideas, and I had so many story ideas for picture books, and I started writing them, and had no idea what I was doing, didn't understand like structure or message or anything like that. It was just me with ideas, and I was just like right, 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 right. I think my first story was like probably about 1800 words it was like really really long with as I said like no structure and I was like how do I get this published so Google has published books and it was like you need to get an agent or you can send there's some publishers that accept submissions so I was like, I'm going to send it out. <laughs> so I did. Um, obviously, there was reje- it was rejections. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, I think It's a really good story. My husband really liked it. I'd like, read it to Willow and she kind of seemed to enjoy it, but didn't really know. She'd smile when I read it. So I was like, yeah, that's really good. Um, and some of my friends read it. And that had such good feedback. And I was like, oh, no, like, why not? So then I tried again. Um, with the storage, I think definitely had a little bit more structure the second time around. And again, I sent it out and it was rejections again. And I was like, I I don't, maybe I need to, I need to like learn, like, I don't know what to do. So I then sort of joined Twitter as a writer um, and found Write Mentor and was like, then just, just threw myself into this amazing writing community. And met so many wonderful people and learned so much. And it was the it completely turned my life around. And I I'm just ever I will always be grateful for finding right mentor because they just put me in touch with people. They show like they've on their hub, they've got like modules to learn, and then there's the workshops with the writers in residence. And I just was like, I'm doing this. So and I just totally threw myself into it. And I started writing. I started writing more stories, and the more I wrote, I think the better they got. And I was coming up with stronger ideas. I understood, like, what the message was, how to get that across, um, different, like, like, way to use language, and finding your voice. And it, it was, it was amazing. So. I will. I will just. I just absolutely. I'm always like telling everyone to join Write Mentor. I mean, there's so many other wonderful writing organizations that I absolutely love. Um, like I am in Prince. They're just Sarah and Elaine are just wonderful people, and can't wait to go to the festival next week. So it's really exciting. Um, and their writing sphere is also amazing. Um, I'm, as I started writing my like my writing journey, it was via Write Mentor that I just discovered. Just what actually children's literature and writing children's literature, literature is about, and the community, the supportive community is, it's, it's like no other. Um, like I said, when I, when I first signed on, they've got the pitch Hero going on today. It's, it's just there's, it's just such a wonderful place to be. Um, so I found, so I found Write Mentor, and I had I booked i mean i'd sent so many queries out before like during this before i found my agent and i was writing lots of stories sending out queries writing the cover letters and just they was getting better and my stories was getting better but they wasn't good enough like they wasn't good enough to hook an agent at that point um and then i happened to book a one-to-one via right mentor with with my agent Molly um I booked Molly because I'd heard such lovely things about her from two of my writing friends um uh, Jess Bleakley and Chris Modaffer and they said like she's absolutely lovely that like I think Chris had known her via being an editor at Scholastic um and Jess had had a I think a one-to-one or she'd submitted I think she'd submitted to her before she said she was just absolutely lovely so I just couldn't wait. I was like, I'm gonna book I'm gonna book a one-to-one with her. And yeah, we just we just kind of hit it off and just got on really well. She loved my stories, thankfully. Um so the stories I subbed in, it was um the unicorns, um, the pot monster and Nan's shirt And yeah, so she gave me some feedback and I'd done some work on that and then we sent it to her. And then it's like a month, just over a month later, had like a an email which said, Can we chat? And I thought, This is not normal. <laughs> like, this doesn't happen. It's usually just like oh a rejection or, or like you want to ask for more, but just saying, Can we chat? I was like, I've never had anything like this before. And it was the two days of the day before the I am in print writer festival, I had other one to ones. And Molly offered me then, and because of the relationship that we had on our one to one, I just knew that we would just get on and it would be something that we could it was a relationship that I know will be a happy and supportive one for the rest of well, the rest of our lives if we're both really lucky. So and, and our writing my writing is good enough to stay with her and get some um publications. So yeah, I was just meeting her there and via Right Mentor, because of Right Mentor being who started it all off for me in a way, just is this a little bit extra special for me um so that's how i found my agent um i don't i had a couple of questions which was quite similar in about like what is it like working with an agent and it's it's one it's brilliant it's wonderful um they're, they're your champion and they uh, they want you to succeed like so working with molly we, we generally it's just via email usually And we've had a couple of like Zooms and stuff, but most of it is via emails, like back and forth. But I'm out on submission at the moment. Again, so I had a first submission, which was okay. I had some really good feedback. And I would say that feedback when you're out on submission, you actually generally, you tend to get more feedback. So when you're querying, it's either like most of the time, you'll just get like a form rejection. And sometimes you get something... You might get something nice said to you, but most of the time it's just a form, a form rejection. Um, but when you're out of submission, you actually get some feedback from publishers, which is, I found really, really helpful to look back at um, when I'm trying to work on my stories. So it, it, it is really, really, really helpful. Um, so yeah, I'm out of submission again. So I'm keeping fingers crossed. It's been a while and I haven't had any news. So I'm thinking no news is good news anyway. That's what I'm hoping. And I'm manifesting that. Um, so I thought I will, because I I set up this, I'm thinking trying to get the kidlit lives to be sort of 15, <laughs> around 15, 20 minutes. Because I know that if you want to catch up on it, sometimes it's quite hard to catch up on. Something that might last like half an hour, um, but as I can see, I've chatted for fifteen minutes already. But um, that was just basically to introduce Kidlit Live and a little bit about me. Um, so I thought I'd answer some questions that I had come in, and I've had I've had quite a lot. I've had more than more than I expected. Um, so I have so a question that I had come in is I have a general question mark on Kidlit that floats around in my head, proving really difficult to nail down. It's around the idea that writing a decent children's book seems to have never been more within reach in terms of the resources and support available for writers to develop craft. And yet the chances of it getting into children's hands has never seemed more distant in terms of the publishing industry and the investment required for both traditional and self-publishing. So the question that they have is, is this notion actually true? Um, I'm just going to have to sit, I've made a cup of tea, so I'm just going to have a quick of that um so personally i don't really know too much about self-publishing um i'm really sorry so i'll probably i'll just chat a little bit about what i know about traditional publishing and i i think yes it's harder at the moment i think when when you're talking about querying i think agent submissions are like an all-time high and i think that's been like since the pandemic a lot of us turned to writing i mean i was one of those but it wasn't because of the pandemic like I was just it just happened to be around that time but I think a lot of people did start writing during the pandemic um so their submissions have got higher um and now they've their slush piles are bigger I like to say treasure piles because I think there's some treasure hidden in there somewhere um and because I think you know years ago it would be their slush piles treasure piles would be just stacked manuscripts up at like getting higher and higher and now it's in emails which makes it in a way more accessible and quicker and you know with I don't know about you but I I, when I was querying, I was just like sending out queries generally a lot like I would find the agents that I wanted like I would would fit my work and I would just send like a submissions to them I did I know some people that maybe only do like two or three at a time I'm just like I sent loads out (laughs) um Uh, I'm quite impatient, which is not good when you're a writer because publishing is really slow. Um, So, yeah, and I I get anxiety. So I'm just like, I want to get everything done quickly so I don't just go over it in my head over and over again. Um, So I think, yeah, so during the pandemic, their emails probably just was like, out of the window and I think you know it's getting higher and higher now. Like you see an agent's open submission and then they'll say like, they've had like like two hundred submissions in the space of like a day or two and it's just like how they're getting through that. It it's beyond me. So I think in terms of getting an agent at this time it's harder. They they do have a lot more submissions to go through. Um and they have to be careful how many people they take on, because the more people that's writing, the more people will be writing a similar theme. So they're not gonna take someone on that they've got very similar already on their books. Um, but I think to in order to get an, an agent to notice you, the main thing, like the first thing you wanna be thinking of, obviously the stories are the most important, but to get in order to get them to read the stories, you need a really good cover letter to to stand out because that's going to be read first and they'll see them ideas and if they love them ideas then they're going to want to read on if they think that idea isn't for them then they're probably not as likely to read the story if they think well that doesn't fit what they're looking for at the moment um so i think because they're so busy they've probably not got that amount of time to read all their stories so that cover letter and getting that idea across Getting, getting a hooky idea and getting that to show in your pitch and your cover letter is really, really important. A lot of like editors and agents are reading like in their own time, outside of working hours, in order to just keep on top of everything. Um, so yeah, so just get your cover letter really stand out, get your pitches really strong. Um, and then once you're with an agent, You don't have to worry about the cover letters because they do it for you. Phew! So that's all good. You don't have to do that anymore. Um, And again, so I'm only going by my experience. And generally, I've only been out on sub with picture books. So I don't really know too much what it's like being out on sub with, like, chapter books in middle grade or YA. Um, Not yet. So I have written a chapter book and I'm currently writing my young adult novel. But I've only really like currently got experience with the picture book, tradition like going out on query and submission with those. Um, And I would say once, if you do get an agent, and then you're out of submission, I would also then I do think it's harder. Again, like agreeing with what you've said, I think it's harder because, and especially at the moment with the cost of living crisis, that's been given us some like reasons as to why my some of my stories haven't been taken on um, because of the cost of living crisis and being a debut author. So that I think that can, that's quite hard to take, especially I think as we've I don't know how true it is, but I've heard that you know publishing is doing so amazingly well even at this time. So it's it's hard. It's a hard. It's a bitter pill to swallow, I think, because you know we're constantly trying, and as a debut. It's harder to break, it's harder to break into that market, especially with picture books. Um, But it all comes down to sales. So you might find that an editor absolutely loves your story, but it will come down to, can this sell? Will this sell like enough um, before uh, if you see whether or not they will take your book on? and if they don't think it's something that will sell enough, then it will be a no at the moment, even if that editor absolutely loved it. So, but yeah, the, like, you know, you mentioned like the investment and it's huge. Inve- the writer's investment is huge. And I, I mean, that can be financial you know, when you're thinking of, like, subscriptions and courses that you're doing and paying out for things like one-to-ones um, and critique services, there are, there's quite a lot to pay out for. But I, I feel like emotionally, investment is also huge. You know, we, we spend so much time thinking about writing. Even if we're not writing, we're in bed and we're thinking about it if you write in if you write picture books and you're writing in in meter I don't know how many of you but I've certainly gone to sleep and or just walking around the street and I'm talking in meter like constantly and thinking about where that stress lands and you you can't get away from it so um yeah like the your emotional investment in writing is huge you know there's you're trying to come up with new ideas all the time, you're researching the market, you're researching agents, you're being active on social media, you're editing your work, you're feeding back on others' work. Like if you're in a critique group, which I highly suggest to join um, because being in a group of supportive writers and friends will keep you going and also provide amazing feedback for you to work on. Um, But that's a lot of time as well because you'll be critiquing their work as well. So it's kind of, kind of non-stop. Um, you know, you're taking courses to learn the craft. you are learning how to write cover letters and pictures and editing all those. And, like, I know, I've said it, but I'm going to say it again, being active on social media, it's, it's a big job. Like, it, it's hard to do. I mean, some people, I think, are really natural. For me, I find social media quite difficult to keep on top of. Um, I do really try, and I really love interacting with people um but trying to just constantly be active because of like you you might not get seen another day if you don't you're not active the day before so the word for it has totally gone out of my head um algorithm that's what i was thinking so yeah that you can mess up with them algorithms if you're not constantly active then you might not get seen on someone else's like newsfeed like the next day and stuff like that it's it's hard so and also, you want to be you you make these friends on there. I've made so many friends via Twitter and Instagram that I feel will be lifelong friends. That you know, I can't I'm gonna be meeting some of them at the week next week at the writing festival and absolutely can't wait. Um, but just the investment of your time and your emotions for writing is a lot. So I would say it's it's really hard. And it's but I don't think it's impossible and I think you know we all we all say it like we say you just keep going just keep going and you'll get there like like hopefully hopefully you do hopefully we all do but we'll never know so we have to just keep going if it's something that you're that passionate about something you really want to do that will show in your writing and that will hopefully hook an agent hook an editor so all you can do is keep going um so i hope that answers um that question um so i had some other questions and um hi Arden i'm really curious about going on submission how do you and your agent decide which stories to sub me personally i don't really decide i leave it with Molly um she knows what the publishers are looking for like a whole lot more than i do um but she has like a little back catalogue of my manuscripts so she'll advise what she thinks are the strongest texts and what might be right for the market at the moment. I do, I do have a say, I can say I don't want that or I really want this one to go out and she is so supportive and will take on board what I want. And, but I'm pretty easy going in that kind of sense that I just know that she knows better than me. So I'm like, you, you do, you, if that's what you think, then, then you do that. So, um, it's, there's not really like a way we make decisions apart from the fact that I just know that Molly knows better than me. So um and another question, how many stories did you share with your agent before choosing which to sub? Um I'm not sure how if all agents work the same, but Molly's happy to accept my stories as and when I write them. So she's like, just just send stuff over to me. Um, and then when it's um, submission time, then that way we choose happens. So she'll choose what to to go out. Um, And there isn't like a set amount of stories to have. Like she just has this back catalogue. So I think she just maybe likes to have some there ready for maybe like an editor would say, has she got any more? And then she can send them over. Um, So I'm guessing at the moment, Molly's probably got like 10 of my stories. Some of them have got like three or four different edits. Um, I think like there's one story that's in prose and rhyme, and also a different prose. <laughs> so I think, yeah, there's three, like, there's three of one story, basically, there, um, but only one of them have gone out of submission. It was the one that she thought was strongest. Um, does your agent send the same stories to all publishers or pick those likely to be of interest? Um, well, I don't, I didn't check this time around, but on the first round of submission, um, Molly said that, she was going to do a blanket submission to introduce me and my stories to um to all the publishers. So and there's not been a chat about doing it differently this time around. So I'm just assuming I've just gone out to all publishers. Molly, if you when you watch this, you can let me know. <laughs> um it's not something I've worried too much about. So um, but yeah, I think I think it's just another blanket submission. Um does your agent sub one story at a time or a selection? Um selection. Um, So currently at the moment I'm out with four, I'm out on submission with four picture book stories and one publisher has got a rewrite as well as those next four stories. Um, So I've had, I have had another question, we are running, I say running out of time, I can talk for ages um, if you like but I I did say I'm trying to get this within half an hour but I have had a question and it was just, talk- it was about trademarks and I won't go into too much detail about it, um, like my personal experience, but it's the question is, how do you know when to trademark and what's involved? I think it's something that a lot of writers, including myself, wouldn't have a clue about. Um, so I have trademarked two titles in the past and you can trademark a title. It would say when you Google it. So you can't trademark a title, but you can. In the UK, you can. Um, you can trademark it under the class of books, which I think I might be wrong, but it might be class sixteen. Um, but yes, yeah, the class of books, so that can be whatever number that is. Um, so you can do that, but I would advise to check everywhere you can. Google it, Amazon, Goodreads, anything you can think of where you have got an idea for a title and you want to see if there's another book out there with the same title do a trademark search on the gov website and if you can't find anything under that class of book, so if there was a trademark with your title but it was under say the class of clothes or homeware then that wouldn't matter if you wanted to write a book with the same name um, and if you have a title that you think is 100% worth protecting you are happy to if needed pursue any legal action that's entirely up to you if you want to trademark um but also and a massive a massive what happens so much is that and, and this isn't about trademark and it's just about having a title a publisher will say oh i think we could change the title and you will generally do what the publisher wants you to do because they know they know what they want and they know how that's going to sell so a lot of the time you could trademark a title but that title might change so you've just wasted like Three hundred pounds for trademarking, Um, but also we don't know what is happening behind the scenes. So we might have done all our searches and seen that there's no trademark for this title. You've searched everywhere, like you've just you've gone mental. You've and you've searched every single place you can think of and there is not this title, and you're like, oh, my God, I've got the best title ever. And I've been there. I've actually done this, and I've put it on Twitter. I'm like, I've just done my best title. I can't believe it's not been used. Um, anyway, so you can... And then if... But what can happen is that publishing is quite a secretive world, and they don't tend to say what they're working on until it's ready to go out on pre Um So things can be happening behind the scenes um so you there could be a t- that introduction and then you could trademark that that story has been work been working on while you're working on yours or even before you've worked on yours and then because you own a trademark you then legally have to inform the publishers because you, you legally own it they can't just use it um and that doesn't mean you have to uh, like Threaten to take them to court, but they do need to know that it's a registered trademark because it's a legal, it's legally owned. Um, and then you can decide how you want to work on that. So you can say you don't want them to use that title if you feel you are capable of doing that, or you could just make an agreement that they can use it, or you can license it to them, or you can just say, okay, it's fine. I can sell you this trademark. There's so much you can do. Um, I would just suggest that generally if you've trademarked something and you're a queering or author, um, and in my experience, I was a queering author, I didn't have an agent, I trademarked um, a title, and in behind the scenes there was another book going on with the same title, and just as my book was possibly about to be acquired, we discovered there was another book with the same title, but um I was I this other book was in production. Someone else had spent so much time writing and illustrating it, um, and all I'd done was I'd just done the same. I'd just written a story. At the same time, possibly later, possibly earlier, who knows? But we were both we'd both just written a story. So who who am I to say I don't want them to use that? It's like it's just not fair. Um, so we have just come to an amicable agreement, and I'm, I think everyone's happy. So it's i would never like ever made any like awkwardness going on there so and that but that's just my personal opinion it depends how close you are to your story if you feel like trademarking is something you really want to do um but personally if if i went back in time now i wouldn't i wouldn't trademark um just because that was a whole lot of stress that it didn't need to happen. Like if I hadn't trademarked it, I would have just said, Oh, fair enough. There we go. That story's a different, it's just got a different the same title and I just have to do a different one. But because I legally owned it, I had to do something about it. And it was just a whole lot of stress that it didn't I didn't feel needed to be there. Um so I just personally I, I just wouldn't do it. And two people and because especially with titles and often a lot of play on words so other people can come up with it so in fairness for me I didn't think it was worth like doing any legal action because we're both just two creative people that have written a book with the same title and same character and they deserve it like it was just this like like my book wasn't any better than theirs or anything like that so I didn't feel the need to do any any legal action I so personally I I don't I wouldn't trademark again unless I had like a massive seller like the Gruffalo um and then I think that would just happen but um personally um I don't I don't feel the need to do that um I mean I suppose if on the other hand, if, like, my, if my book had been acquired and had got so much work on it and it was both, they were both at a similar pace in production, then no one knows what would happen. That would be down to the publishers. But for personal experience, I would just happily go, okay, like, this book is just the same title. I'll just write a different one and without any worries about any legalities or anything like that. Because there's a whole lot of stress that you don't need. Um, so that's that's about trademarking. Um, so I'd love to know about um, comp titles when it comes to picture books. Should they be included in the pitch or the cover letter, or are these more relevant for chapter books, middle grade or young adult? Um, so first I'll just chat about what a comp title is, because I'm not sure, not everybody might know what that term means. So comp means comparison titles. Um, so you'll... So other books, TV shows or films, that have a similar theme to your story. Um, so, for example, one of my stories, Dancissaurus, is about a dinosaur finding happiness in being himself. Would fit well between Perfectly Norman by Tom Percival and Strictly Come Dancing. Um, it Yes, you, know, you can use TV shows. Try and make it relevant. You don't want to be using books that were like, so many years old they want the agents and editors want to know if you know the market now if your are your book would sit in the current market um you don't always have to use comp titles i'd say that's a personal you know that's a personal thing to you um but i do think they really do show that you have a good understanding of where your book would sit in the market um, and it will give the agent or editor an idea of the theme or the tone of your story. Um, like an agent is just is not going to not be interested in your story because you haven't read a comp title. Um, it would be about if they love the pitch and then, and then if they love the story. So I would say if you don't have comp titles, it's not going to be the worst thing. And if you do, like, great. <laughs> like, it's enti- it's entirely your decision. Um, but I do think that if you understand the market and you know where your book would sit, it's a good, it's a good thing to use to help agents and editors also understand that you know where that sits. Um, and where to put them when you're querying? I would always put the comp titles at the start. This is, again, it is all it is personal preference. I would put them at the start of the pitch and that pitch would be would make up part of the cover letter um I wouldn't put I often write my pitches on my story but then if I was querying that I wouldn't have them on the manuscript it would just be within the cover letter but I have them on the stories as I'm working because I feel it can help me just stay on track so like often I write a pitch and it'll be like the character is this and this is their problem and this is their resolution and then if I feel like I'm just going off on a tangent because I'm not always a massive plotter I'm a bit of a what can I say planter or a potter like um, a patter I don't know um, yeah so I would I like to use them so I can make sure I stay on track when I'm writing my story that I don't go off on a massive tangent um, although if you do you might be going off in a better direction so then you can just change your pitch um, so and how do you write a pitch is a pitch the same as a blurb um, I think like pitches can be tricky to know i love writing pitches i don't know if i'm just a bit weird um but yeah i love writing pitches so i would advise spending like time on perfecting them and writing them before you send out your query make it hooky really draw them in um and you because you really want an agent to just read that picture like, i can't wait to read that story and then that your submissions isn't going to be like put down at the bottom of a slush pile in case they might read it or not. If they love the sound of your pitch, they're going to want to read on. Um there was oh, there another there's so much talk in questions, like do we, so much talk in questions in pitches, Should shall we put shall we use questions? Um so I think that's like a lot of people end the pitch on a question, which I feel like is more is more of a blurb. Um, if you're reading the back of a book a lot sometimes it will end with a question if you're like reading the blurb of a film, it might end in a question um like, can can they make it there after all um but when you're writing a pitch and so many again it's it's personal preference, and everybody has different ideas, but I would advise that you 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 show how that story ends you' don't, obviously not in like massive detail it's a short it's a short pitch um but you don't want to leave the agent or editor questioning question as to what happened. Like, they want to say, oh, they do do that. Um, so I would think, like, character. Who is the character? What is their problem? What is their conflict? Um, and their resolution, how they overcome it. So I was thinking I'd use one. I'm going 45 minutes. I'm so sorry. Um, so let's use one of my stories, the friendship match. Uh, oh, I can't even talk. The friendship match which is currently out on submission um so shy willow loves collecting all kinds of beach treasures but when she finds an old map that leads her to murky waters octopus dance-offs bat caves and pirates willow discovers the best type of treasure is friends so our friends Um, So the character is Willow, she's a shy girl who loves collecting, the problem or conflict is that she wants to find the treasure but she has to get past obstacles first and the resolution is that she discovers that friends are better than treasure. Um, So that is how that works, like in the three sort of steps, Um, but you find out what happens so Willow discovers the best type of treasure is friends, so we know, we don't know how and that will hopefully make editors or agents want to find out how she discovers the best type of Treasury's friends, but you're not giving too much away. Um, I would say try and aim at 300 characters or less. If you're thinking about a Twitter pitch, Twitter's like 280 characters, um, and that would include comp titles, any hashtags that you use. So try and keep it as short as you can. Um, one to three lines of a one-line elevator pitch if you can. And if you're writing the pitch on a cover letter, maybe include the word count in there because it could be they love the sound of the pitch oh sorry there's another connection issue I hope I hope that it's okay um I'll check this after um so where was I oh I forgot where I was now um as if this is often what I do so um yes cover letters sorry uh, so you're writing the cover letter and the pitch in there i would write the title then i write word count and then i write the pitch um you can have like a one line ending like this is a story about friendship or this is a story about finding uh, being happy in yourself you know and things like that which wouldn't i wouldn't say would include in your pitch characters like it would if you was writing on twitter obviously but if you're writing a a three-line pitch and then you write a one-line after, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Oh, and then, so this is the last question, um, and I had this come in last night from one of my very good friends who I mentioned earlier, Jess, and she said, which is a really hard question for me, do you have a dream illustrator you'd like to work with? And I was like, oh my god, I can't just pick one. Like, uh, so earlier I mentioned how I got into writing um, and so the illustrator of the book, The Girl and the Dinosaur, is Sarah Messini. And I met her last year at the publishing publishing picnic that was put on by Stephen Linton. And she was just as lovely in person as how I'd imagined her to be. And we got on really well. Um, so yes, I love Sarah Messini. And I would love her to illustrate one of my books because I love her illustration so much. But obviously, there's a another meaning in there um, emotionally for me that she is the person that if I hadn't seen the girl in the dinosaur, I probably wouldn't be where I am now. Um, I think I would have like, hopefully, I'd like to think that hopefully, have got into writing, <laughs> um, and I'm sure I would have because I love reading with Willow. Um, but yeah, I to see that book. And have and then work with that illustrator who who inspired me to start writing. That would be a dream come true. I mean I have other dream illustrators. And so and as, as I spoke about the friendship map earlier, I would lo- I think when I think about my stories, I would love Sarah and to illustrate the friendship map. So um publishing world manifestations, that's let's let make that happen. Um anyway, so that's not I have no say over illustrators, obviously, but yeah, I would, I would absolutely love Sarah to illustrate one of my books. Um, I did write, I wrote a list of who I'd like to illustrate all the books that are out on submission, um, which I thought I would say, but I, I'll leave that for now in case we get any more questions about that another time. Um, I have had, oh, I've had something come in. Oh, um oh hi Richard, hi Arden, thanks and great to listen to your thoughts etc, I'm just starting so happy to get tips and learn, big up fellow Essex Peaks, yay, (laughs) Um, lovely, thanks for for that, it's been really, really lovely to um, just chat with you, I'm sorry that I've waffled on for nearly an hour, I literally thought I'd be like 15 minutes, I speak pretty fast, especially when I'm nervous Um, and I thought I'd just be like mumbling my whole way through it but I've really, really enjoyed this and I hope um that I've come across okay and I'm not too boring I have this massive um overwhelming feeling all the time when I'm chatting away that I have just the most boring voice and yeah so I hope uh that people have listened and enjoyed it and found it helpful and um inspiring maybe that would be good and yeah so so next week because I will be mainly doing this most weeks having a but I will be not just be me, yay, won't just be me, it'd be someone else. Um so next week I have joining me is uh, my friend Chris McDaffery and she was an editor. Well she's still in it, she's a freelance editor now, but she was an editor for Scholastic, is that's when I met her um Penguin. Oh my god, how I've totally just lost the last one. Um that has gone out of my head. Um oh Bloomsbury, sorry Chris. Um yeah so she was an editor for those for all working on children's illustrated books and so I have some great questions to ask her she's also a children's author she's writing middle grade story at the moment and picture books and non-fiction and we will chat about that and if you have any questions that you'd like to ask her please do send them my way again you can ask on the night but it would have to be via youtube or facebook because unfortunately, I can't see any questions if anyone's asking if this is on Twitter. Um, And I'm really, really sorry about that. So yes, so next week, I will be joined by Chris Medaffary. And then the week after that, I will be joined by Jess Bleakley, who is a picture book author and a young adult author. She has released her picture book, Ching Shi, The Girl Who Ruled the Seas. So if you don't have that, I suggest getting it. It's a great pirate adventure about the most famous pirate in the world. Uh, who happens to be a female? So yeah, which we don't hear that much about. So it's a great book. I highly suggest reading that book. Um, and then on the 30th, which will be a Tuesday that time, I am interviewing Marcella Ferreira. And she has recently released the picture book, The Queen Next Door. So I can't wait to talk to her about that. Um, so I won't waffle on anymore I'm coming up to 50 minutes thank you everybody for tuning in and listening and I hope I haven't bored you all to death and I will see you next week